Hi, Emmaus. Welcome back to the Proclaim and Display podcast, episode 37, where we help you show and tell the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. Back in the studio today with Jaron, but no Kennedy. Hello, everybody. So, Jaron, yes. solid opening last week. Really? Uh, I think solid? It, yeah, I think I it was something solid? like... Uh, I'm Owen minus the Owen plus the Jaren, so Kennedy was totally confused in that. So well, it was it was a math equation. So yeah, it was you know, good. Not stated on so, paper, maybe uh, that was hard. Solid substitute teaching there. So uh, that's good deal. that's good. good that's deal. good work. So so Kennedy is at a meeting uh, today for how churches can be more involved in foster care ministry, and that's definitely something that yeah. I want us to continue to talk about. We'll have a couple of episodes coming up in the future about that topic and get some more people in on that conversation. So. Speaking of our attempts, though, at podcast hosting, we have a professional here today with us, right. Amy LaRue. Thanks Welcome, for being Amy. here, Amy. Thank you. I don't want to call myself a professional, but thank you. Now, <laughs> in comparison to who else is yeah, here, yeah. I, So I listened. I've listened to the Finding Hope podcast, and you are a professional. Like, Jaren and I, we have, we have a, lot to, a lot to learn. So, uh, so talk to us for a second uh, about podcasting. What do you enjoy about it? Like, what have you, what have you experienced? I just enjoy being able to, like, First of all, the topics I talk about that anyone can just put plug in their earbuds yep. and just go about their business, working out in the car, wherever it might be, that they can just learn and engage and all of that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so if we're looking for your podcast, it's just called Finding Hope. Finding right? Hope. Yep. 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 Simple. Hope is alive. My picture's on there. Yep. And so if you get one that doesn't have my picture, it's the yeah. wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Emmaus, if you have not listened to the Finding Hope podcast, there's also a separate podcast called Hope Dealers. I think that they've done a little bit with yes. for Hope is Alive, but you guys, yours is called Finding, Finding Hope. Hope. Yeah. And it's more for the family side. Yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And fantastic. I listened to one of the most recent episodes and just went home last night thinking there are some different ideas. And so it, it it's a really great experience to, to be able to do that. So anything uh, in terms of like other podcasts you listen to, are you a big podcast person or? To be honest, you just listen to your own. You just listen to your. You just wait for yours to come do, out and listen. To do your you own. actually listen to your own? That's the question. I do listen to my own. Oh, I do, man, um, right. and I critique it way too yeah. much. That's a level of courage we're not familiar with. Around here, so. Yeah, no, no. Jaren, are you? Are you a big podcast listener, or do you uh, just do this because you're my friend? No. Oh, uh, yes. You do Your this. friend yeah. and you're my boss, so definitely <laughs> I do it. Yeah. I listen. There's a few that I peri- you know, periodically listen to. We're geared up for OU football, so there's there may be an OU football podcast in there yeah. and some other things like yeah, that. But nothing, yeah. nothing really like consistent that I'm like, yeah. I'm on it all the no. time, so... But you're a music guy, so I mean, you're listening to music. I'm, so I'm mostly listening to music. Yeah. If I'm on the yard, weed eating, those kinds of things, I'm, I've got the tunes... Yeah. Really, really hot. So oh, man. it's embarrassing how little music I listen to and how many <laughs> podcasts I listen to. So, uh, and my wife would tell you it's the exact opposite for her. Like her and the kids are jamming out to the music in the car and things like that. So, man, me, I'm borderline addicted to podcasts. So hey, <laughs> this is not you. Be you. Not yeah, you Thanks for you. that. Thanks. You so, well, so we have Amy on the show today to talk about her leadership and involvement with Finding Hope support groups. Uh, if you were at Emmaus this past Sunday. We had our friends from Hope is Alive with us. Jaren, high energy Sunday, man. That was fun, wasn't it? That was that was just encouraging. It was just it was it was a blessing. Yeah. It no, was I, just all that joy being demonstrated in the room was was really encouraging. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was really cool. So Hope is Alive, uh, if you're not aware of, Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. So most people around Emmaus know HIA from their sober living homes, which focus on ministry to drug addicts and alcoholics. 
Finding Hope is a ministry arm that focuses on the family members and friends of the addicts and alcoholics. Amy, I just took that off your website. Did I get that right? It's so, perfect. Yes. Good? I feel like, <laughs> I just read that straight off the website. So now you're good. I, I, hope, I hope I had that. So Amy is going to talk to us about Finding Hope support groups, and, and we're going to kind of get a big picture of this because we have a Finding Hope support group that's going to start coming up on September 6th, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. Amy will probably say that two or three more times during the, uh, during the interview. Before we get there, Amy, tell us a little bit of your story. So back up as far as you want, into childhood, back as far as you want. Tell us your story of becoming a follower of Jesus. What's, what's your testimony? Yeah, so I actually um, was blessed. My parents took me to church. You know, I grew up in the church um, there every Sunday night or Sunday morning yeah. and just always involved in all of that. Are Did, you an Oklahoma girl? I'm you, not. I'm no. from Kansas. Okay. So actually, I grew up in the Wichita area yeah. and grew up in a small town called Derby, right south of Wichita, but went to church in Mulvane. Okay. So yep. just keep going south. Yep. That's where Courtney was. I was about to say, we have some Mulvane people around here. Really? So, yeah. That's small town. Yeah, we may have to take that offline, but yeah. <laughs> I, when you say that, like I'm, I'm, I'm certain sure. there's a couple of families that track back there. Yeah. So, well, that's okay. fun. Hold that thought for a few minutes and we'll come back to that offline. So, uh, okay. So Mulvane Derby, that's your, yes. that's home. Yeah. Yep. So I, you know, all, you know, involved in youth group and all of that. And, you know, I would say I came to, you know, accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior at, you know, one of our youth events that we're at. And I would say though, my relationship really started actually in college. Yeah. You know, um, I got involved in some uh, ministries. I went to Pittsburgh State in okay. Kansas. Yeah. There's a college in Kansas, Pittsburgh State, right. not Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> and got involved in their college, some of their ministries there and really grew with my relationship, learning what a quiet time was. You know, you know, I always was prayerful, but really became, you know, more prayerful about my prayer life and all of that. And so I grew up Methodist, okay. yeah. and so I was baptized, sprinkled. Yeah. And um, when we moved to Oklahoma after college and got involved in our church, I felt like God was calling me to be baptized. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. my decision, you know, outward, Absolutely. you know, and Absolutely. so um, I rededicate. I don't know if it's rededicated. You know, I, yeah, you know, you. Yeah. did it, you know, in December. Um, after what church were you connected at, at that time? Here? Well, Springs Baptist Church. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And so, you guys are still connected yep, there. Yep, that's, well, where, that's so. where we, you yeah. know, we're I mean, involved we, in. Yep. We love our friends at Cold Springs, so that's so good. So, yeah, yeah. Compl- you know, opposite, 30 yeah. minutes away. Yeah, 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 yeah. opposite <laughs> the city, yeah. yeah. But we've learned so much from them and continue to, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I just, you know, I just always was around that and just, but I would say like my big relationship probably started actually more in college and digging deeper and then moving here and getting plugged in and just been serving since. So how recently did you get connected to Hope is Alive? What's that story of how you got connected to them and then and then the Finding Hope piece? How does that work? Yeah, actually, um, this is just going to go straight into Finding Hope. In 2015, I discovered my husband of 10 years, my high school sweetheart, um, was addicted to alcohol. And we like we were actually involved in all the same ministries and all that. We didn't really party in school and in college. Um, that just wasn't our thing. And but in like 2014, I started seeing a shift in his behavior. And it wasn't until um, like the spring of 2015 I discovered what was going on. You know, I thought for so long that he. It was just like anxiety going on. Um, he did have anxiety, but he was also medicating it with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. And from that, you know, I discovered one day, one morning, and 
Lance Lang had just been just like he was here, yeah. you know, this last Sunday. He had been at our church, and I was able to get connected to him and um, get some resources for my husband, yeah. honestly. Like, my husband reached out to him. I kind of s- stood back. And then a few months later, things started to spiral again in our lives. And called Lance again, and that's when he – you know, I re- he didn't really tell me about the sober living side. He helped my husband get into treatment, and then he helped me get into finding hope. Yeah. And he's like, I have a place for you to go mm-hmm. as a spouse. And at first I was like, why do I need anywhere to go? Yeah. But I was. I was so sick and didn't know what, what this life was all about. I didn't realize that finding hope went that far back mm-hmm. in the HIA story. In my mind, it was a more recent thing, but that goes yeah, our first one started in February of 2015. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. There you go. So you were right there at the very yep. very beginning of mm-hmm. that. So when people hear Finding Hope, they hear support group, uh, kind of take us to the high level of that. What are, what are you guys trying to accomplish? What are you talking about? And then maybe we need to talk a little bit about what happens in a group because someone would hear, hey, I could come on September 6th. I could get support. What am I walking into? Yeah. Uh, so uh, just kind of let's let's begin a conversation about what that looks like. Yeah. So I always describe the first easiest way for me to describe finding hope is faith-based Al-Anon. So if you're familiar with Al-Anon, there's the AA that many people are familiar with. And then the Al-Anon is the family side of it, 12 steps and all of that. But we take it a step further and make it more it is faith-based. Yeah. We talk about God, we pray together. Um, and so that's First of all, and then our meetings are longer than okay. say an Al-Anon. They're more intentional. Okay. Um, nothing against Al-Anon. Sure. I yeah. did the twelve steps through Al-Anon, yeah. um, but we're more intentional and more relational. And so we come together in this room and starting to peel that mask off and that shame, peel that those layers that we've been keeping covered up or carrying on our shoulders, whatever that might be. And we come in and realize. I remember the first time I walked into my meeting and realized. These people get it. Mm -hmm. They're just like me. Like, I almost didn't go into the meeting because of the shame. I thought, what are they going to think of me as a wife? Like, it's something I did as a spouse to make my husband drink. Oh, well, yeah. You know? Um, So I I was afraid I was going to be judged. Yeah. But that was the complete opposite of what I found. I found love. Yeah. And support. And so that's, you know, our meetings are about an hour and a half long. At the beginning, we sit around kind of like we were right now around a round table and we have the opportunity to check in with one another and on a scale of one to ten how are you today and why you know okay yeah you know and it's just with people who understand what's going on in a safe environment and that's where you really start to connect and realize like our motto says you're not alone you realize in this room you're not alone anymore and so um we take that time, and I always tell people, if you aren't comfortable sharing, just say I'm here to listen tonight, you know? and before, So if you walk in, you're not going to be pressured to speak? Nope. You don't have to share your story? Nope. Anything. Okay. Nope. And what, se- what says what said there stays there, is yeah. what we say. Yeah. And um, Darla's the leader, and she, she'll go over that confidentiality stuff and all that and how important it is in yeah. these meetings. Um, and, like, my husband doesn't know what happens when I go to meetings because it's confidential, just right. like I don't know at AA when he goes to his meetings. Yeah. Um, and so we check in and our goal is so many times this is, you know, we're so codependent on our loved one, what they're doing or what they're not doing. And we allow their lows to impact our days. And so it brings us down. 
But our goal is at Finding Hope to learn the tools and to learn that we can be okay no matter what our loved one is or isn't doing. So, you know, that our day, can st- we can still have a good day no matter what, you know, and to get to that point, that's one of our prayers and our goals. And it's so cool for me as um, the coordinator going to all these different meetings is there's times when I walk in and it's like one beginning or someone's new time, first time. And then if I go back six months later, a year later, just they're more relaxed. Yeah. You know, yeah, their loved sure. one still might be actively using or might not know where their loved one is, but they have found healing. Yeah, that's so good. Walk us through those statements. Uh, so you're not alone. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. There is hope. There's hope. Yeah. I just love that framework. So, And I assume every week we're working through those statements probably... Is there dedicated material? Are yes. you working through a curriculum? So that thing? motto, sometimes I tell people, if this is all you hear tonight, this is all you <laughs> hear. Is, because yeah. I couldn't tell you the first six to nine months what was yeah. said at a meeting. Yeah. But I knew I wasn't where I needed to be with my yeah. people. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have, so after we do the numbers, um, the leaders have curriculum that they use. Um, different, we have like over 34 lessons, mm-hmm. you know, learning Because I didn't know, you know, you hear the buzzwords, codependency, enabling boundaries, and you hear those, but what do they really mean? And so we learned those different skills and then how to apply it. I'm all about the application. We can sit there and listen, but then how are we going to really apply this to real life, right? So there's like some take-home action steps. Yes, I call it my weekly challenge. (laughs) I used to be a school teacher, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Because Amy's coming out here, so uh, I love it. That's fun. So you're, you're coming, so I go into a meeting, I don't have to speak. I'm going to show up, but I'm going to hear these statements. You're not alone. It's not your fault. There's hope. And then you're going to work through a curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you mention praying together? Is that Yes. That so we yeah. always pray at the beginning, you know, um, over the meeting. Yeah. And then, at, again, at the end, or if there's any prayer requests that come up throughout. But the cool thing is we can check in with each other. Absolutely. You know, and be like, hey, you know, I got a message yesterday from someone I've been working with. Can you just pray for my husband right now? Yeah. Can you pray for me? Yeah. You know, knowing that. I'm not judging what's going on, but she knows she has a prayer warrior behind her yeah. in that situation that she's going through right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is a sensitive question, so I understand that. Um, is finding hope, let's say someone's lost someone to mm-hmm. uh, addiction or alcoholism, mm-hmm. people come who are still trying to process that grief, or is this a, is this a tough situation to do that? I think it depends on where they are. Okay. You know, I have some... Let me, I'll get back to that. Yeah, but yeah, we do yeah. have some, like for me, I'm a spouse, right? Yeah. We have some spouses that are no longer with their, you know, uh-huh. their husband. Sure. They unfortunately got a divorce sure. or whatever need, ha- happened, but they are still coming for the healing process. Absolutely. You know, and um, actually just had lunch with somebody in that situation. And so she's there to just heal from, you know, we go through PTSD with this. Yeah. And there's actually oh. a whole lesson on PTSD as a loved one. Yeah. The triggers that come up, mm-hmm. the healing that still needs to happen through this. Um, but we also offer um, groups called Hope After Loss. Oh, wow. Specifically, um, we have one at Crossings here okay. in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, and it is a grief support group for those who have lost someone to the, I always say the impact of addiction because it's not always necessarily overdose. It might be, um, death by suicide sure, it might sure. be just their organs just shut down because yeah. of their you but know, somehow this indirectly mm-hmm. that addiction is played yeah, that. yeah absolutely yeah. and so we want people that's what we started it we're about to have our third annual um grief retreat for this in october wow. and it was as a mom's like i've been in grief they don't understand the stigma of addiction when you say you lost someone 
by the impact of addiction. So we think about something like Grief Share, you mm-hmm. know, a program we have, and then grief related to a death by or related to mm-hmm. addiction and alcohol. That brings its own level oh, of, yeah. of grief. That's a great point. I don't know that I thought through that clearly enough. Um, okay, so I want to send people to your podcast. However, uh, talk us through some of like those the podcast I listened to recently was some of the these statements that you're trying to help people work yeah, through or think yeah. about or so somebody never goes to finding hope who listens to this they don't listen to your podcast give them just a couple of those like principles pillars like the two or three things that you think if I could take 34 weeks of uh you know finding hope material and I could just give people five minutes of teaching impossible task but Give us a couple of those that have been just so helpful for you. Well, I think one of the, I'm going to word it differently than I probably have my no, podcast. That's, that's okay. that's <laughs> but it's right. like, yeah. if love could heal, we wouldn't have this problem. Okay. You know, like we love them so much and our love can't heal them. Mm-hmm. You know, we try yeah. so much. We love them so much that we have to remember who loves them more than us. Yeah. Right? God. Yeah. And we have to truly surrender. So many times I tell people, you have to let go of that thread. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're still hanging on and trying to do our God's yeah. job for them. And we have to completely let go. Is it going to always be what we picture? No. But God sees the big picture, not just sometimes we even talk about just the puzzle piece that we see. And we think we know how to fit it in and fix it, but we don't yeah. because God's plan is bigger and better than ours. Um, now, on that love piece, and, and stop me on this if I go down the wrong track, but I think you were, guys were talking about, so if I feel like my love should stop my loved one's addiction and it's not happening, sometimes my response is I need to love them more. And so I just try to mm-hmm. pile on more love. And, and in a way, that can almost become counterproductive. Is that is that right? Is that how you guys understand? Oh yeah, that? it's. Yeah. I mean, that's where that enabling comes into play. Yeah. You know, people all the time. Oh, I know I'm enabling, and it's because we they think that if you do this next thing, that they'll stop. Or that's sometimes our it, loved yeah. one will even say, "This is the last time I need. Yeah, I need groceries this last time." Yeah. You know, and so okay, I love. I can't have my son not eat. Yeah. So I'm gonna give them twenty more dollars, or and we understand just the uh, emotional, you know, pain that you're going through on something something like that. But uh, being able to say what love looks like in this situation may not be what I want it to look like. It may not be the way that I would respond to it. So yeah, yeah, that uh, codependency enabling thing, things like that. You guys also talked about a concept: the difference between what if and even if, mm. like that. That the faith. Yeah, the faith. Mm-hmm. So those two statements, what if this happens is a statement that's full of fear, mm-hmm. even if is a statement that's full of faith. And I, I just, I've thought a lot about that over the last, the last couple of days. And so how does that fit into the puzzle here? You know, I think we live in fear because I think part of it is we are always fearful. And if, when we're in that fear, that's when we go into that fix it mode. Yeah. Right. I'm worried that we already talked about the death. Right. Like yeah. that's the biggest fear. I sure. Or even like my husband in recovery, one of my fears is relapse. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm fearful yeah. that he's going to relapse. And but even if he does, this is I'm going to be OK. Yeah. He's going to God's got him. God's got me more importantly, yeah. too, yeah. and that he will help me get through this, you know, and it's like we've got to have that faith that, you know, childlike faith almost, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, you know, I think, of, I mean, I wrote a 
story not too long ago about I was listening to Veggie Tales with my kids in the car. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're <laughs> you talking know, our da- language here. Yeah, we <laughs> <Okay>. understand <laughs> yeah. Daniel, you know, and yeah. the story, like we hear that growing up, right? That's a simple Sunday school little kid story. But I think about that. Like he took that step in faith, right? And trusted. And like we've got to do that. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know? And I don't know. It's just there's that part. Let's see, Daniel three. There's that part of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story where they talk about, you know, we're not going to bow down to you. You got God will get us out of the fire, but even if not, we're not going to bow down to you, Okeen. I just think about that even if type of type of statement that comes there. So, well, and I think I think just some of the things I'm picking up, and and I think I I run into this pastorally too when I'm trying to encourage whether it's a couple or whoever like. Typically, someone's struggle is never isolated. There's there's always an impact. There's always, you know, with your husband mm-hmm. and that, that impacted you. And and just the the comforting fact that God's not going to waste this struggle. That that he's working on your husband through all of that, but he was working on you at the same time. He was using mm-hmm. the struggle to edify and sanctify you. Well, that was my prayer yeah. through it all. When I didn't know if my husband was ever going to get sober. Mm-hmm. I dropped our kids off. He was, my husband was actually at the ER and dropped my kids off at our friend's house and stood in her kitchen and said, mm. my prayer is that I will be able to use this someday. Yeah. I know God doesn't put us through these storms mm. without a purpose. Yeah. Uh, was it fun? <laughs> no, no, no one. It's not fun going through any type of storm. Yeah. But I knew that there's, and I wouldn't be here today sitting here with you sure. guys, yeah. having close to 50 Finding Hope meetings, doing oh, wow. what I'm doing. If I hadn't prayed that and really truly believed that yeah. God would get us through this storm and get me through the storm. Yeah, no, no, that's great. Any any final thing you want to share about that? And then let us know how to pray for you, how to pray for, for finding hope. So anything you want to do, like wrapping up there and ways we could pray for you. Yeah, so one other thing that I started thinking about that I think is important is you don't get it unless you live it. And I say that all the time with this. So many times we go to our best friend. Or we go to, I don't know, I would go to my mom yeah. a lot, you know, and she didn't get it. They mean well. They, they do. They and, the, you know, yeah. and I say, don't let someone, you know, tie your, place your shoe <laughs> if they haven't been in your shoes, right? Yeah. And the biggest thing is ask, just say, ask them for prayers. But then that's why we have our finding hope. These people get it. And like the lady I was talking with this last week asking for prayers is so many people on her outside are saying, just leave him, just leave him. She goes, I don't want to leave him. I said, okay, you you don't have to make a decision today yeah. or tomorrow, but I understand what she's going through. Yeah. And she yeah. understands that her, what her husband's going through, that's not who he is. Yeah. And so I think that's so important for people to come to finding hope. You know, we can have our prayer warriors praying, but they can't tell you what to do. And I even tell people, yeah. I can't tell you what to yeah. do. You know, I can't, you know. Well, you end up with Job's friends who, you know, yeah. like, like yeah. Job's suffering. He's in the middle of this and they're offering some advice that, you know, isn't, isn't exactly what he needs to hear at that point. And so I, so you don't get it unless you've lived it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so I, that's. And so somebody's listening to this thinking, oh, you know, I don't need to go to Finding Hope. I've got friends that care for me. I've got a Sunday school class. We're cheerleading all of that. We're saying, yeah. that's awesome, but but you need some people who, yeah. who get this and, and can help you walk through this. Yeah, and when you're in crisis mode, to call those people that get it. Oh, that's good. You know, yeah. like through Al-Anon, I had a sponsor and I would call her. Yeah, that's right. You know, or now in Finding Hope, I have a per- I even have a person I call, yeah. right? Like even if I'm not in crisis mode, I just need a safe person who understands. Yeah. 
So. So good. All right. Ways we can pray for you, pray for just finding hope in general, and then Jaren will wrap us up in prayer in a second. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is we are growing and expanding. Yeah. And so just continue to pray for all these new meetings here that's kicking off. I have one in the state of Washington kicking off. Greenville, (laughs) North Carolina. I'm going out there in a month to kick that one off. And so just continuing to pray and that people will find us. I think that's our biggest thing is like we know these rooms should be overflowing, that people would get past that shame and guilt, learn about finding hope, and then be willing to take that first step Mm -hmm. into it. Yeah. No, that's good. I'll say something. I don't know that I've ever publicly said this, but I've thought about this with finding hope. So here's a part of the Emmaus story is, you know, our church being established down here and my first Baptist more years ago and all these neighborhoods growing up around us and it's been a challenge at times to figure out how do you reach out to these neighborhoods? You know, the days of you just open up the church and everyone's going to mm-hmm. like, that's, it's very different. We would not have to go very far into one of these neighborhoods mm-hmm. around us to find someone either facing addiction or more likely that has a loved one in addiction. Oh, absolutely. And I just wonder what peace finding hope plays in the good news of Jesus mm-hmm. reaching the neighbors mm-hmm. around us because someone finds healing and hope and that changes their life and generations mm-hmm. and it changes their neighbors. And um, I think that's one of my prayers is that as we see God work in this way, uh, these neighborhoods, you know, and we've had people impacted. saved at finding hope. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's you know, <laughs> you, got, you got it right there. That's, that's it for sure. So, well, Jaren, would you pray for Absolutely. Amy? She, she's also a mom and she's got a few other things going on. And so she is, she's got so many things, but she came here to, uh, to be with us today. So pray, pray for her, pray Absolutely. for Darla and, Finding Hope, Wednesday, September 6, 6 p.m. Come and be a part of that. Invite people to come and be a part of it. Jaron, pray for us. God, just so humbled today just to hear another story and another testimony of your grace in Amy's life. And uh, Lord, just thankful for you uh, opening her eyes to see her need for you so many years ago. And Lord, at that point, she never would have dreamed the things that she had walked through, the hurdles she'd have to overcome. And uh, but even the victories that she's been able to enjoy, and Lord, all of it is a testimony of your grace. It's um, about what you have done in Amy's life, and so we praise you and thank you for that. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful for just the testimony of her uh, staying committed to her husband to help him through that. Lord, as a husband, I am so thankful for a for a loving wife, and so I just I thank you for that testimony. I thank you for uh, the work that you are doing in and through Amy and her own family, but also in these. Uh, various finding hope groups that are that are happening all over the country, and we're just so uh, so thankful for your work. And we just we pray for even our own community, uh, Lord, the neighborhoods around us, for people who are struggling with addiction. And uh, Lord, by your grace, would you, um, Lord, let us cross paths with these individuals, and may they f- hear about the the work that you're going to be doing through this group, and uh, that they might also find hope in you, Jesus, Lord. That that your grace is greater than our sin, Lord. And we just praise you and thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. And uh, we thank you for for Darla, who's going to be leading this group. So excited for this opportunity for her. Uh, Lord, just so much to be excited about around this ministry. And we, uh, we could not be more humbled and grateful for your work here at our church. And it's you we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you, Emmaus. We'll see you soon.